interview. And he said, yeah, I work really hard, but there are a lot of people that work really hard, but some people get lucky. Mm -hmm. That I have to say that there was some luck involved in there, but I worked really damn hard. The people that I got in contact, like one of my first podcast guests was Grant Cardone. To do that, I had tenacity. I followed him on Instagram excessively. And every single time he went live, I hit the join live button excessively all of the time. (laughs) I had the flu the first time that I interviewed Grant Cardone. Like literally, I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to make sure that it happens on there. I had Bobby Castro. I had um, had Serena Brown, Les Brown's daughter on my podcast. I had Brad Lee, Evan Carmichael. Bobby Castro, um, Elena Cardone, Bethany Frankel. I was on an event with Matthew Knowles, Bradley, um, Tim, Tim Story, you name it. And this was before I really had equipment or anything else that goes into like what everyone says you should have. Welcome to Empower Her Money Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Duncan. Today's episode is sponsored by freemoneytipsbook.com. Freemoneytipsbook.com. Head over there, download your free ebook, Seven Unshakable Tips to Get You Started on Your Financial Journey. Today's episode, I get to interview Melissa Jackson with Melissa Jackson Premier Realty. We're going to talk all things commercial real estate, interest rates, talk about economics and how you can transition from being a residential real estate agent to a commercial real estate agent. Hello, Melissa. Welcome to Empower Her Money podcast. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing amazing. It's been a few months since we have spoken and I know a lot is going on in your world, but I would love for you to first talk about your story, kind of how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah. So to kind of keep it brief, um, I came from very humble beginnings. Neither one of my parents had graduated high school and I was self-educated from age nine up with a six-year-old GD book until I worked enough um, at Wendy's, ironically, um, as one of my jobs to go and get myself a new and updated GD book. So I come from very humble beginnings, worked four jobs, put myself through college while building a business at a time like it was like that. That was the max cap of what I was able to handle at the time. And then I built that business in commercial real estate while also needing to get back to back surgeries, brain surgeries, spinal fluid leak surgeries, shoulder reconstruction surgery, you name it. Um, and everything far and few in between. And during all of that, I've been able to share the stage with a lot of amazing speakers, such as John Maxwell, uh, Jesse Itzler, Floyd Mayweather, Elena Cardone, Bethany Frankel, and many others along the journey of documenting myself as I've built my life from the ground zero. Yeah. An amazing journey. And I know you've got so much ahead of you too. So let's first dive into the commercial real estate aspect. Um, We're a podcast about money and business. Talk a little bit about, I know you're a big teacher. So what can you share with the audience when it comes to commercial real estate and especially being in a man's world? um, Mm -hmm. What is your advice for anyone thinking about maybe getting in the field or investing in real estate? So first thing I'll start off with investing on it, and this is for commercial or residential, and I'm sure you can agree because you've been on this side of it as well. There's this perception that any investment is a great investment. That's not true. 
That's not true at all. In fact, you can lose a lot of money in real estate, regardless to whatever you know specialty you pick overnight like that, if you're not cautious on where you're going and what you're looking at as an investor standpoint of things. So for people that are sitting on the outside looking at things as an investor, I would say, okay, make sure that you got enough cash reserves set aside. Make sure that you understand what's going on with the economy. Make sure that you understand um, that none of this is a get rich quick kind of process. So really work with somebody who's studying the economy as much as you can. Study the economy yourself. Be educated in the decisions that you do or do not make. Because I remember just a couple of years ago, I was arguing with this lady with the Airbnb markets for short-term rentals. And she's like, every house is always, every real estate investment is always a great real estate investment. I'm like, no, it's not. And particularly when you look at it from Airbnbs, no, it's not because you have to follow the local policies, the local political environment as to what's taking place there, the what's taking place in the environment that's slowing down travel, what's going to become a necessity when it comes to a slowdown in the market, which we have experienced for the past couple of years, and multiple other factors. So you saw a lot of Airbnb hosts fall to the wayside because they didn't strategically plan things and they moved in and purchased above fair market value in a municipality that was getting ready to get rid of Airbnbs altogether. So mm -hmm. be very careful on where you're placing your money. In regards to getting into it, so I've been getting into this industry for about 11 years, and it is a fantastic industry. You get to surround yourself by a lot of really great thought leaders, a really a huge amount of wealth, intellect, intelligence, great things that you can learn from it. But the challenge with it is, is really figuring out where you want to go, one, what are you passionate about? And then two, finding the education standpoint of it. So statistically, the last study I saw when I got into commercial real estate, um, there was about a 10% success rate hmm. of people that were trying to get into commercial real estate as agents. 10% success rate. Now that didn't just inc that included people that were yes it is a male dominated industry mm -hmm. that included um, people that were born into it that included people that came from wealth. Mm -hmm. So I didn't come from any of those things. I worked four jobs, put myself through college while building that business. Right. So what I started doing is I started keeping copious notes of every single thing that I learned as I was getting into that so that I can hopefully break that glass ceiling for a lot of people that maybe came from similar beginnings of me, not saying everyone that's successful in commercial real estate came from you know those kind of aspects. And I'm gonna say to them, it's a hard industry if you did, regardless, but to kind of break that glass ceilings for those that do wanna get into the industry to be able to learn how to properly do it. How do you prospect? What are CCNRs? What are deed restrictions? How do you go out there and get yourself tenants? How do you work on renewals and all these different factors that go into play so that you can be successful in a much quicker time frame than randomly get, getting a phone book and calling people and saying, okay, well, maybe I'll expand in 10 years. So that's been something I've been really passionate about trying to break that down to get it so people can get into the industry. Yeah. And so you touched on being on stages for someone who's never been on stages before. That could seem like an overwhelming thing, right? But you've been on stages with some really big people. So how did you approach that to be able to get on those stages with some of the best known people in the industry? I don't know. <laughs> I got, I, there's, there's this thing. So I saw Obama, he did a video um, a while ago, it was a clip of him, and he was on an interview, and he said, yeah, I work really hard, but there are a lot of people that work really hard, but some people get lucky. Mm -hmm. That, I have to say that there was some luck involved in there, but I worked really damn hard. The people that I got in contact, like one of my first podcast guests was Grant Cardone. 
to do that, I had tenacity. I followed him on Instagram excessively. And every single time he went live, I hit the join live button excessively all of the time. (laughs) I had the flu the first time that I interviewed Grant Cardone. Like literally, I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to make sure that it happens on there. I had Bobby Castro. I had um, had Serena Brown, Les Brown's daughter on my podcast. I had Brad Lee, Evan Carmichael. Bob, Bobby Castro, um, Elena Cardone, Bethany Frankel. I was on an event with Matthew Knowles, Bradley, um, Tim, Tim Story, you name it. And this was before I really had equipment or anything else that goes into like what everyone says you should have. So it all comes down to, in my opinion, yes, an understanding of luck. Two, a breakdown of understanding of strategy. I'm very meticulous. If you can go into my brain and figure out why I've done this, which is why I'm like, I've kept 11 years of notes to teach commercial real estate to the level I'm going to now by going national, 11 years of notes and also connecting that in with all the people I've connected in. All of that didn't just fall on coincidence. That didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I talked to my mentor and I was like, I'll just call him Bob. I'm like, Bob, do you know why I've sent you novel entries for nightly check-ins for 11 years? Do you know why? And I'm like, so I can go back and see exactly what I knew back in 2014 so I could teach it to somebody that was me that many years ago. So I'm very strategic. So I picked the top people that I wanted to get on stages with. And then I would just say, go live with them. And I would build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't idolize people. I sit there and I look at people and I go, okay. I love this strength that you have, the skills I can learn from you and all of these things. I'm going to model that as much as I can, but I don't idolize them because I think a lot of these people on these big stages, they want to be treated like a regular person and that's what they are, right? So regular, they're just inspiring the greatness within you. So I just really try to connect with people on that genuine level, follow them to that level and then have a strategic tenacity approach towards it. Getting on stage is supposed to be one of the most scary things out there in the world, statistically proven, um, you know, on a lot of studies. For me, it hasn't really been that much, but it's also been a developed skill set. If you go back and you watch my second live stream I ever did in my life, I swear I look like a hostage in a basement, (laughs) but (laughs) I kept going and I kept that video for people that said, you're naturally good on camera because I wasn't. You got to get that. You got to develop it. And that means you have to have a why and a motivating factor that makes the pain worth the pleasure of getting good at at the end, at the end of the day. Hmm. So what is your why and motivating factor? So my why I came up with is almost 20 years old now is um, my entire mission statement. So I base every decision that I do in my life based on this mission statement that I came up with at like one of the darkest and lowest moments of my life um, when I was almost not going to be here anymore. Hmm. And I came up with this mission statement, God, source, power, call it whatever you want. I said, God, if you let me live through this, I promise to you, I'm going to be the best version of myself for myself. I'm going to show people that they could do anything that they put their minds to, regardless of other people's opinions, limitations, or oppressions that hurt people, hurt people, and that doesn't make them right. Hmm. So that trickles into everything. There's no room in there for me to be like, oh, okay, well, I could be really great on camera, but I'm terrified of it. So I'm just not going to do it. There's no room for that. When you know what you stand for, which every Fortune 500 company, which the ones that are successful are clearly doing something right, has a mission statement, Mm -hmm. baffles me that we as individuals don't. Mm -hmm. So that mission statement helps me with getting over fears that, frankly, terrify me just as much as they terrify anybody else. Yeah. So today, you touched a little bit about what you're doing. Talk about your, your new ventures, what you're doing, and what you hope to accomplish with that. 
Yeah. So I'm going more force with M. Jackson's Fire. I've built that. I've already done huge events, but we're going more full force with it. And I launched my own um, my own brand for commercial real estate, as well as the Jackson Fire Realty. And we're going to be focused on the education level. I'm going to be helping residential agents, commercial agents as well, and systematizing their business and getting them where they need to be for the entry point into commercial real estate or taking that to the next level, primarily in the retail sector, because there's not a lot of education on that. What I like is there's a lot of there's a lot of residential agents that have been trying to transition into commercial, but they don't know where to start, mm-hmm. how to get educated on it. And they're kind of the underdogs, if you will, in it. And I want to help elevate them to be able to get it so that they can understand the lingo that's going on, understand everything that's taking place if they so choose to be introduced into the commercial industry. Because it's it's something you can't Google. Angela. Like you can't look it up. You can't really find very much when it comes to education training on it, like at all. You're just kind of go on my seat of your pants all the time. So I'm focusing on the education level. And then I'm also taking my brokerage and doing it national as well. So I've got mentees and then I've got junior agents that are coming on board as well. And that brand is going to be going national in connection with Inspire. So we're merging the coaching, the speaking and the commercial real estate expertise, national connections and all of that stuff. And both of them putting them together and taking both companies national at the same standpoint, whether that's doing national real estate transactions with mentee junior brokers or with a great team and working on those rollouts for those Fortune 500 companies or those local retailers that are trying to get a break when it comes to this economy to also coaching and teaching investors and coaching and teaching junior agents or established agents on how to get where they're going with everything else Inspire has been able to do with being best-selling author and all of these other things with the stages that I've done and coaching and instructing small businesses as well. So we're bringing it all together because it's all business, it's all success. And all comes down to, which is why I love the Empower Your Money podcast, economics, understanding the economics and the language of money because a lot of people do not get that and how important it truly is to understand it. Yeah. And I know that's a huge thing. There's a lot of residential agents that would love to, or at least they think they would love to get into the commercial space, but they have no idea how. And there's so many different sectors within the commercial space versus residential that, you know, finding like the market that you really want to tackle can be difficult. So I love that you have this whole program together to help those agents get to that next level in their business and really to get more, especially females, would love to see more females in the commercial space. I get emails every day from, you know, different listings that I'm always looking at. And usually the woman is like the, you know, processor or like way down the list on the email. And yeah. I would love to see more women in this field. So I'm, I'm excited for you and your journey. And I can't wait to see your growth. Um, what's next for you? And on top of maybe not sleeping because you have a lot that you're taking action on. Um, what do you hope to like really, truly accomplish with this new, um, you know, journey that you're on? So my next new journey that I'm on um, for the next things that I'm going on is I want to be the female Tony Robbins mixed in with economics. I love economics. We talked about this last time you and I connected politics, economics, understanding what's happening with the Federal Reserve and all of those things, because money is extremely important. And I don't mean them in a materialistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the standpoint of if, you know, heaven forbid you're in a life or death situation, it's your, you know, your help or the roof over your head that you don't have to choose because I've been in that situation. If it's your family, you know, being able to go and get 
go, go and get medical care or hospice or whatever that might be, that you're able to step up to the plate and do that. So you have options, so you have freedom, so you're not having to make your decisions without really having a decision or option in the first place. That's what I'm absorbently passionate about. So I want to be the next female Tony Robbins that makes in economics and how to transform your income and your wealth and be able to do that in so many different facets. I also want to break through and be able to get it so a lot of people are able to automate their, in, their industry and the cold calling, their prospecting, regardless to where they're at and whatever sector it is for residential or commercial real estate. My brain operates like a game of Tetris. So I've got a couple of um, real estate clients that I'm coaching right now. And I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do based on the economy. Based on the economy right now, people were buying homes in 2020, for instance, and I'm not hyper-focused on residential, but I know business coaching. I've been doing business coaching for a very long time. I'm like, everyone is buying homes over, over fair market value in 2020. A lot of them, since the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates, has dropped the home values on those. So a lot of these people are upside down, whether they bought them for Airbnbs and they're no longer allowed to do luxurious rentals or Airbnbs are down right now when it came to that. Or maybe they bought them and they don't need that big of a house anymore because you see the middle class depreciating and you see the debt income levels going above the ceilings, whatever it is. Go and find me every single record, every single deed that was recorded in the last two years around 2020 and 2021. Okay, those are going to be our main prospects of people that we're going to go out and reach out to. So that way it's a system of how do I go and figure out my demographic versus just kind of blindly chasing my tail and not knowing what's happening in the economy is going to generate me leads. Also during 2020 and 2021, what I did is I built a lot of systems when it came to how to cold call, how to prospect, what listings to go after, when are the lease expirations of, what are the categories of each individual thing so I can go after these individual prospects and individual things so I can systematize everything and have it more technology advanced because you've got two different pain points when it comes to different industries and commercial when you're an age speaking as an agent you've got one you've got the residential factor that they don't really understand fully some levels on how to prospect and then depths of the economy and how to get into commercial and then you have the commercial sector that doesn't understand technology integration so they're working day and night trying to figure out how to prospect I am known and as well recorded and documented to be very amusing and funny to watch as I do cold calls. So I try <laughs> to take my energy and how my brain thinks and stick it into systems and processes that can help people with being able to automate it as well to get maximum results. Yeah, I love that too. And I think that's a big thing is people don't understand that in order to grow your business, you need to have systems in place that give you more time to do more of what you're great at, which is typically the closings of the sales or um, lead processing. So I like that aspect of it, how you're teaching people in uh, the commercial space to, to have better systems and lead follow-up so that they can create more income for their themselves, which is really what, what it comes down to when you're teaching the economics piece of it too. Um, what about you for, let's just talk about maybe your own personal investing. What do you see in the market um, and where are you kind of paying your most attention to and getting the most education? So right now, as it stands, I'm still following the Federal Reserve. What I think is going to happen now, this is subject to what we end up doing with Taiwan, China, Israel, Gaza, all of these different things that are taking place, right? It appears to me that we are going to be having the Federal Reserve probably start cutting interest rates in the next month. Um, they said probably March has about a 55% rating is what I saw when it comes to probability. And I think that that's likely. Um, and when I look at it, I look at the DSCR loan programs, mm -hmm. which is where you can buy um, a multifamily project for about $1.5 million, 
5% down, I believe. I'm just covering the general things on this. This isn't financial advice for the viewers, but go and check it out with your loan officer. 5% down, you only need to live in it for a year, and it's based on the income of the property versus being based on the income of your personal taxes. So that whole aspect of things helps drastically for a lot of people that are trying to get into the industry as an investor, because before you just need to come up with 20% down to be able to do that type of loan program. So I'm looking at that, and then I'm looking into the Federal Reserve. If they start cutting interest rates and we compare ourselves to different economies like Venezuela or Germany, Pat, Pat David, I can remember his last name, has been talking a lot about this. Um, Graham Stephens been talking a lot about this as well, um, but a reverse market crash where the pricing of items did not go down enough as the Federal Reserve increased interest rates. So if they start dropping them so the economy doesn't you know, go into worse challenges, then we're going to have things go up higher again. It's going to cause inflation again as they start dropping those rates. So reverse market crash is essentially where everything gets more and more and more expensive. That's going to benefit the wealthy, in my opinion opinion. It's going to benefit the ones that know what they're doing. So I've got a database, for instance, of every multifamily project here in town um, in the state of Idaho, and I'm tracking those and I'm looking at what their rental rates are. Okay, where are they at now? And then what's going to be happening when the cap rates go up on these investments mm -hmm. because of the fact that the interest rates go down? And that's kind of where I'm paying attention on that standpoint of things. I'm also paying attention to see what the banks do. So what a lot of people didn't take into account was that the banks tightening their re regulations on lending after, after all the bank challenges that we had, which there's another one happening right now where it's basically another bank failure, um, regionally speaking. When SVB started going down, banks started tightening up a lot. That accounted for, for people that don't understand the interest rates, um, 0.75 basis points of tightening up and raising the interest rates without even really documenting it by the Federal Reserve, from my understanding. So that's going to be basically another 0.75% of your interest rates being increased without you really taking that into account. So I'm looking at those lending regulations. I'm looking at what's going to happen in the interim when people try to refinance their properties, but they can't because the banks are being too particular on what they'll finance for and what kind of opportunities is that going to open up. So those are a lot of the things in the personal investment strategy wise that I'm looking at into that I think we'll have some opportunities open up in the next year or so and getting in on the right time. Yeah. And presidential election coming up, you know, mm -hmm. the interest rates in which we can't control. And I've definitely have seen, you know, some people lose their commercial investments and some of the apartment complexes. I mean, the banks are not in business to manage, but if you're not making your payments, then they have to follow the rules of their investors and everything that they put in place. Do you, do you think you're going to see more of the foreclosures in like the multifamily space with these loans that come due because of the interest rates and the tightening of the markets. What do you think it's going to happen there? Yeah, Warren Buffett predicted, and I think it depends on what market you're in, but Warren Buffett predicted that a majority of people that got into commercial real estate at the wrong time are going to be out of it by the end of 2024. And when you look at that standpoint for commercial, you typically have about a 10-year long mortgage and you have to look at refinancing. So what about the owner users? Let's say that I'm you know, a small franchise ice cream concept and I bought a building as an owner user, I occupy half of it. I earn my rent from that other co-tenant. My co-tenant's not paying his rent on time or maybe they are, my business isn't as good as it was, but it comes up for me to refinance my property. Well, the bank just required me to get more money down because of the tightening bank regulations. My property value's down because the cap rates are, are higher because the interest rates are higher. So now I'm upside down in my property if I look at it as a value 
of an, of an, based on NOI and an operating income for how I can sell it and how I can refinance it. So you're going to see, I think, some big challenges on that standpoint for sure. Um, also, if you look at it from the multifamily standpoint of things, in my humble opinion, you have a big separation. You've got the lower income levels and then you got the higher income levels. The middle class has already been going away for a very long time. And you're seeing that great divide, in my humble opinion, getting widened and widened and widened. So multifamily and industrial were the two top like darlings, if you will, in 2020 when COVID hit. Well, what are we going to be doing when it comes to multifamily? And were they overdeveloped? Are people going and getting more roommates now? We already know that there's studies that show that people have more jobs at the same time than they ever have, historically speaking. So are they able to afford their rent regardless to what's reflected in the CPI reports, which is a whole other thing, but are they able to afford their rent or are they condensing households? What is the goal? What is the vision of the next generation, millennials, Gen Z, and all of that stuff when it comes to living? And are they, what does that look like? Because I know I keep seeing a lot of discounted rental rates for a lot of apartments. So I think you're going to continue to see that with the refinances and the rent reductions. Yeah. And especially in cities like so Miami is kind of anomaly. Um, rents are crazy expensive. I mean, I have a friend who spends, I don't know, $2,700 for 400 square feet, which is unimaginable in other areas. Yeah. So you're going to start to see a little bit of migration, I think, of those people out of expensive cities. But we still have such an influx of around the world, people still view Miami as cheap. So it, it's an incredible concept. And I know not every city is going to be like that, but I like how you say it. it's like regional. Yeah, exactly. And Idaho is very similar to that. Idaho has been, when COVID hit, kind of put on the map same way as, you know, your Florida, your Texas, your Arizona, and then Idaho. All of those markets were basically kind of put in the same category on it. We still have a lot of migration, but we still have some rents that are starting to reduce and go down a little bit. Now, when it looks at it, when we look at it, we're still multiple houses short. Like when you look at the demand, it's there. But what's interesting to me is you still have price reductions right? Mm -hmm. Still have price reductions, but the demand is there. That to me speaks to the challenge of things being unaffordable. The demand still being there, but more people doing roommates, more people collaboratively living. Um, I haven't seen the studies to exactly back that. I can't think of any other reason why we're so many units short here due to the migration, but people are continuously having to do rent reductions, like rent reductions, even in peak seasons continue to take mm -hmm. place. So there's still very much a demand. It's just a matter of placing your money when you're supposed to place your money and it's hard to time the market, but the ones that maybe were unfortunate in the situation and buying about nine, 10 years ago that need to refinance, they're going to be in a challenging spot because rents are going down. And then the ones that are, you know, in a situation where maybe they bought single family housing one to two years ago when it was um, people not even doing house inspections are going to be in a, in a unique situation. Yeah. So it could be a great buying opportunity for the educated buyer in this market. Exactly. That's why I'm looking at fourplexes and I'm looking at the ESR loan programs and I'm looking and watching those kinds of things because I think those will be game changers. Yeah. And definitely start in your backyard first. If you're going to start in real estate investing, don't go because someone said, you know, invest in Texas. Don't go to Texas unless you're living there. Mm -hmm. Great idea. Definitely start off where you know, and then also vet the people that you work with. Mm. You have to keep in mind that some people, you know, that will talk a lot, but they don't necessarily like they're salespeople on some standpoint of things. So make sure that you're doing research and you're doing something and you're feeling things out to make sure that it's not just a transaction because this is millions of dollars. 
Like it really, really is. I've seen people lose millions of dollars in real estate mm -hmm. overnight um, just because they thought they were making a good investment. And then I've seen people have to come in that were like the actual holders of the money because it was family transaction and be like, hey, now we need to sell this asset about $3 million less than we purchased it because our tenant's gone and now it's just a vacant building. So be careful on who you're taking advice from. But if you're strategic and you're paying attention to what's happening or you're following something like this with Empower Your Money podcast, really learn what's happening in the economy so that you know as well so you can advocate for yourself and question and know what those questions look like. Hmm, great advice. Love that. Um, so I'm going to ask you a fun question. If you could pick a superpower or a super talent, what would it be and why? I have all of them already. <laughs> See, but that's something people have to understand about you. You have great confidence. And I think when you have confidence, that's how you're getting on your stages and accomplishing so much because you believe in yourself first. So I love that about you. You're a very confident person. Well, first I'm terrified, but that mission statement's like, hey, <laughs> um, I think what would be really cool as a superpower is to be able to understand how people's minds work and what they think. Hmm. So like, why do you think what you think? If I could do mind reading, that would be phenomenal. Obviously consensual mind reading. Bubbles, yeah. <laughs> But I think the most beautiful thing in life is to be able to understand another person's perspective. And if people could resonate and understand that more. We could get a lot more done in life. And then also you would be able to advance a lot more in life because you'd know how to meet people with where they're at and resolve the majority of conflicts. So if I could understand how people think, why they think what they think, one, I'd be just obsessed with it because I think it's the most cool thing ever. And then two, I think it'd be very beneficial in creating unity, which especially in this day and age right now, we most certainly need. Awesome. Well, Alyssa, if our audience wants to get in touch with you, learn more about what you are doing, what is the best way for them to find you? So you can find me anywhere. It's Melissa, M-A-L-L-I-S-A Jackson. You can find me and Google me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And then for the commercial real estate thing, it's M-J-P-C-R-E. So M-J-P-C-R-E. And you can find me a lot easier that way because my first name is spelled up. Uh, very uniquely. So yes. yeah, well, you are a unique person and an amazing person at that. So really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning into Empower Her Money podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast and leave a review wherever you are tuning in.